Mr. Speaker, we now know that the person at the centre of the Facebook data leak scandal is a Liberal Party Whoa. operative. Whoa. Not only did Christopher Wiley work for two different Liberal Party leaders in opposition, but according to media reports this morning, he also worked on a project for this Prime Minister in the taxpayer-funded Liberal Caucus Research Office. All major political parties engage in data-driven activities. In fact, the Conservatives did when engaging in a $100,000 contract with Agility PR Solutions. Okay, a question period classic. The Conservatives accuse the Liberals. The Liberals say Conservatives do that too. Maybe not the most productive way to have a debate or an argument. But in this case, Scott Bryson is right. All political parties are using data in their campaigns. So considering what's happening south of the border these days, should we be concerned about that? We have some uh, guests here to talk about all of that. Chantelle Bear is in Montreal. Andrew Coyne is in Toronto. And Paul Wells joins me here in Ottawa. Good to see everybody. Um, let's start with you, Chantelle. I mean, it, it, probably Canadians... Maybe they are, maybe they are not aware of how much political parties are trying to find out things about voters. How concerned should they be about that, do you think? I'm not sure they should be concerned, but they should certainly, if they are not, should be aware. Not only are parties using uh, whatever data they can get uh, off social media for their election purposes, and it certainly probably beats uh, knocking on doors and trying to figure yeah. out from your body language whether you're a leaning partisan or not a friend. But they're also using social media to fundraise, and in an era when you fundraise off individuals, that's a crucial tool. Andrew, what, 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 are, what do you think about this? I mean, we know that this government in particular has spent something like $13 million since coming to office advertising on social media, which is totally fair game. but. I wonder how much of that they're using also to tap into getting to know their voters better. Yeah, and there's illegitimate and legitimate parts to this, or illegal and legal parts to it. The yeah. illegal part we've been discussing lately is, uh, are people getting at their private information? Is, is information being improperly leaked? Are privacy concerns being observed? And that's certainly a legitimate issue. I think it's also, though, um, worth questioning whether this is really something that we want to encourage or are comfortable with, the degree to which not only political parties but also private uh, companies can put together these kind of composite portraits of you. At some point, even if all of the information has been assembled from publicly available sources, if you put it all together, you start getting to something fairly invasive at the individual level. Even more important to me is um, you're kind of slicing and dicing the electorate into these mm -hmm. micro, micro targeted segments with a different message for each uh, and sometimes messages that are, are quite inflammatory or quite uh, below the belt. Uh, it used to be in the age of the mass media that all this was out in public, all this was out in front of us and we could see whether somebody was sure. saying one thing to one part of the country or one thing to one segment of the electorate and another thing to another. That's harder to monitor now when everything's kind of subterranean, if you will. Yeah, that's a good point. Paul. It has ever been thus, though. I mean, in his uh, great book about the 1988 election, Robert Mason Lee uh, wrote that uh, they, they were doing it in, in the riding where I live by, uh, by mail order. They'd send out a mailer and they'd say, uh, uh, um, directly from the desk of, of Brian Mulroney, uh, sir or madam, I really care what you think. Could you fill out this questionnaire? And based on the answers to the questionnaire, which, right. the, which the people would mail back, they would get uh, mailers that, that, that targeted the kinds of issues that they were concerned about. It's just now a hell of a lot easier to do that because of social media. Uh, and the par political parties, all of them, Scott Bryson was right about that, are very jealous about their ability to do that. There's a reason why we've had uh, several changes of government from conservative to liberal and back over the last several years. But no government has ever, has ever uh, seen fit 
to include political parties in the basic requirements of Canada's privacy laws. Yeah. There's no requirement to let you know that they've got your data. There's no requirement to give it back. There's no requirement to uh, delete it after uh, after the, the first reasonable use. Yeah. And, and they, and, and and they yeah. help themselves to public funds to pay for it. This is the political parties. I mean, it's one of those who guards the guardians things. They're all very concerned about when everybody else does these things, but they excuse themselves from these same obligations. They help themselves to public funds. None of it is democratically necessary. Arguably, it's democratically harmful. The only reason any one of them needs to do it is to keep pace with the others. If there were some way to get all of them to give it up, I think our democracy would be healthier. And, and the privacy commissioner has been asking for this, as, as Paul points out. Chantal, last word on this to you. Uh, I think we will uh, work towards a more rule-based environment. I don't think parties are going to swear off this. To Paul's point, I covered the by-election in Ontario in the 80s, where the government of the day sent flyers that said that if you voted for the opposition, Ontario would become officially bilingual. It wasn't a writing that liked French, the French language. So uh, this is not a new strategy. It's just a new means uh, to yeah. do it. But there is also a buyer's beware. If you are on the social media or if you go to a political rally and you offer all that information, I guess you shouldn't think it's because you're only going to get a Christmas card from the prime minister. Well, I, I, I just assume I'm getting Christmas cards from everybody, no matter what happens. Okay, Paul, I, I'm going to start with you on this one. Next week, we're going to hear from the Quebec government and the Ontario government about their budgets, although Kathleen Wynne's been out throwing money around uh, this week already, and this happening as they lead up to their election. Uh, I don't know what the Quebec budget's going to bring, but I certainly have a good sense of how Ontario's positioning itself. How should we, how, how should we read what's going to happen next week as they prepare for an election? These are pre-election budgets by two governments, that two liberal governments, two premiers who get along better than almost any two premiers I can remember, uh, and they both have their back to the wall because after uh, a dozen or more years in power, depending on how you count it in each province, voters are sick of them, and they're, and they're starting to be very interested in the more conservative alternatives. Um, faced with that, Philippe Couillard, who's going to go uh, to the pol polls in the fall, uh, is going to stay the course. He's, he's been, he's been uh, restraining spending. He hasn't been handing out a lot of gifts. He's been trying to show that he's the kind of responsible steward that you can count on, uh, more responsible than uh, Francois Legault of the upstart mm -hmm. uh, CAQ party. Um, compare and contrast, uh, 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 Kathleen Wynne uh, has been uh, trying to get her deficit down to zero, trying to show responsibility, trying to be restrained. And, and, and in the home stretch, she said, well, to hell with it. Uh, <laughs> Ontario needs things. It needs uh, better health care. It needs better dental care. It needs uh, be better uh, child care. And so we're going to blow an $8 billion hole in the deficit. We're going to grow that debt back up. Uh, and, uh, and we're just going to try and convince Ontarians the government is, is, is so worth having that they can't hand it over to, to, to Doug Ford uh, and, uh, uh, and watch, him, watch him cut it. It, it is interesting. That, that's a good point. They're both fighting change. And, and Chantal, uh, Ontario clearly trying to do it by saying, we're, we're concerned, so here's a bunch more money and just to just vote for stability and more and more stuff. Uh, yes, uh, but uh, I have to say that if you're a Quebecer these days and you have a good cause, there tends to be government money for it. It may ah. not be on the scale of Ontario, but yeah. the government suddenly have a has a surplus to spend. My explanation for the biggest difference is that in Ontario, the Liberals are trying to get the NDP vote to mm -hmm. coalesce against Doug Ford behind them. In Quebec, that vote would be the Parti Québécois vote, and it's very hard to convince PQ yes. people to cross over to the Federalist option on the ballot. 
So they're trying a different strategy, which is basically to try to fend off the CAQ. But don't underestimate Philip Quillard's capacity to find money to um, <laughs> seduce voters. <laughs> Andrew. Well, just to restate Chantel's point somewhat, uh, Quebec's election is the classic battle for the center, partly because the, the liberals there aren't in quite as bad shape as the yes. uh, liberals in Ontario, but also for the reasons that Chantel mentioned, it's not available to them to, to do a kind of a combined anybody but the, but, the, but the CAQ vote. Whereas in Ontario, the only option that, that uh, Kathleen Wynne has, the only chance she has, is to try to corral all of the non-conservative vote under mm -hmm. one tent. Even then, she's got, I think, a tough road ahead. However, there's also, of course, differences in their financial situations. Quebec's, you know, in worse shape uh, coming into this. They have a higher debt-to-GDP ratio than Ontario does, but they've been making progress in getting it down. Ontario, which has a smaller yeah. debt relative to Quebec, is busily piling it on. Paul, you get the last 20 seconds there. Um, I, uh, uh, just a prediction, even though I shouldn't be making predictions after I said that Doug Ford would never be the Conservative leader. Uh, I think there's a very good chance that at the end of the year only one of these people will still be the Premier of their province. I think Philippe Quillard can't be counted out. Uh, uh, Francois Legault is really good at putting his foot in his mouth. And this is the first time he's gone into a campaign in the lead. And uh, I think, uh, I, I get the impression the Liberals are eager to campaign against him. But okay, talk about an earthquake, though, if it's somebody other than the Liberals or the PQ forms a government in Quebec. This is... Uh, this is, that would be major. Latin, yeah, yes, well, go, Chantalia. From where I sit, the earthquake will be if that doesn't happen. <laughs> okay, there you go. Thanks, everybody.